0: You are listening to Camden Radio. I'm Richard Pye, and in the studio today with me, I have Hayley McGee.
1: Well, I'm really glad to be here.
0: Hayley is directing and performing in a show at the Camden People's Theatre from November the 20th to December the 8th called My Ex-Boyfriend Yard Sale. Very close. Oh no,
1: (laughs) it's called the ex boyfriend yard sale, but it is my ex boyfriend yard sale, Um, so it's
0: kind of personal. So I can kind of be let off by that. You can
1: absolutely be let off, and other people have called it my ex boyfriend yard sale in the past. So I think, I think maybe there is something to that. It's a very (laughs) maybe that's
0: like the next part of the show, yeah, yeah, it's like the after party bit. (laughs) <laughs> um so yeah let's maybe talk more about the show because yeah. that it seems to be a really interesting process that got you there yes and um, so maybe shall we chat about that yes
1: okay so um it is a personal story or it begins as a very personal story and it begins as a as a uh, a situation in my life that I got into a couple years ago when I was in credit card debt. Mm -hmm. And I found myself on the phone with Visa promising to pay off my bill by selling some of my things. And I just kind of blurted out, I'm going to have a yard sale. And then I looked around my apartment, and I realized that the only things I could actually sell had all been given (laughs) to me by different people that I dated over the years. And first of all, I was like, oh my
0: god. First of all, you've got great (laughs) ex-boyfriends. Why are they buying you all these presents? Well,
1: I mean, uh, to be honest, the, (laughs) the four I was thinking of, I had a diamond. It wasn't. It was mostly a sapphire with a tiny diamond necklace. I, had, I mean, you can't quibble, even no, if it's tiny. Yeah, that one That one was <clears throat> quite good. Then I had a bicycle, a guitar, and a vintage typewriter. So those were the four that I thought, OK, I can sell these. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then as I started thinking about selling them, I got a little fixated on all the different ways I had paid for these objects with my time, <laughs> with my emotion. For instance, the necklace, one time when I was going to visit the guy who gave it to me, I took a bus. And on the bus, someone had wedged a box cutter, like a scalpel between the seats. Oh but I didn't my notice it, gosh. I know, until I moved to get comfortable. And the knife cut through my new jeans and into the flesh of my bum. I find oh, my God. I know the bus company replaced the jeans, so I can't claim it. Um, really? But, like London bus company or was it? Not? Oh, this is in Canada. Oh, I was going to say, I don't think they would. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I started thinking, surely that flesh wound increases the value of this necklace. Yeah. But I told this guy that I loved him and I knew I was lying. So I think that must decrease it. But it's a sapphire necklace, and sapphires have gone up by 2,000% in value since Kate Middleton started wearing a sapphire ring. So anyway, I started going back and forth about things that could take the value up and then things that would take the value down, and I became obsessed with figuring out an accurate value for the objects that I've been left with after my relationships that reflected what they're genuinely
0: worth. Well, I quite like that concept because I think... Time is precious. These We live lives where I've got not enough time to do anything. So if you are really investing in someone, you know, you have to really quantify that sometimes.
1: No? I think so. Yeah. I think it's also really interesting because time is, I've heard it put this way, time is a non-renewable resource. And money is a renewable resource. So really, our time is more valuable than our money. But we live in this capitalist culture where yeah. everything is measured in cash. Mm. So uh, really
0: spending time is not sustainable. It's it's not reusable. So no, so you wanna spend it wisely. Yeah, you do. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> I wanted someone to take all this kind of stuff that we're talking about and turn it into a mathematical formula mm-hmm. so that we could know when we break up with someone what it was all really worth. <laughs> And um, I started contacting all these different mathematicians. And this is all, oh, also, uh, after realizing, having all these realizations about worth and value and how can I price these objects, I realized, okay, I'm way too obsessed with this now to sell these objects on Gumtree. I have to make a show about it. Yeah. So- The sale has been postponed. (laughs) So it's not even happened yet. That's fantastic. No. I posted the objects on Gumtree for market research, Mm. um, which is something one of the mathematicians (laughs) suggested that I do. So I started reaching out to different mathematicians, and I, I, I was ghosted by a few. A few came on board, talked with me a bit, and then
0: stopped replying to my emails. I mean, there must be some kind of <laughs> parallels into the dating environment there, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, well, it's a lot to take on. I yeah. mean, someone who's obsessed with creating a formula that quantifies love um, is maybe not that...
0: Easy? Ab- yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I finally found this woman, Melanie Phillips, who is a mathematician... Uh, She has a degree from Edinburgh University and she agreed to work with me to create a formula that would take into account all the different variables that I think are valuable and spit out a price for the objects
0: we're left with. That is fantastic. Yeah. And I think, um, is this, I mean, I know it's kind of working in a way because you are paying off your credit card bills because you are still making money off those objects. That's if right. it's not a yard sale. So, I mean, it still <laughs> kind of worked.
1: It definitely
0: um, works. And actually, okay, I've been
1: talking to a lot of economists too. I went down a crazy research rabbit hole for this show and an economist told me this theory which is a dollar today is always worth more than a dollar tomorrow which means Mm. if you give someone a dollar today they can buy a piece of wood and then over the evening they can apply their skills of like carving wood and whittling wood and the next day take it to the market and sell it for exponentially more. So in a certain way I'm taking these objects (laughs) from my exes applying my skills and of whittling of like storytelling whittling yeah. <laughs> um performance <laughs> and and I guess not selling them for more but selling tickets
0: to, then to this show well I mean that is a far more sustainable way of making income from those things so I think I that that's so. very sensible thank you um I'm not sure have you actually I was about to say I'm not sure what the boyfriends think but do any of them know okay I have interviewed a whole bunch of them interviewed I love the use of that word
1: for the audience's entertainment and also um I guess out of my own curiosity uh to be totally honest so I I reached out to them as research for the show but what I really wanted to know was their cost benefit analysis of the time they invested with me
0: and was that different
1: yes (laughs) so um I've got... F- I, I interviewed five of them for the show. I, f- I talk about eight different objects from eight different exes in the show, and mm-hmm. you get to hear from five of them.
0: Okay. Lucky us.
1: Lucky you. Yeah, they've all agreed to it. They're all in it anonymously, though. You don't know who they are. Um, and it was really surprising interviewing them because some of them it had been... My, my very first boyfriend that I had in high school, I had an amazing conversation with him, and there are... The ways that that relationship ended, he says, is one of the shittiest things he's ever done as a person. He basically wow. broke up with me to go out with someone else, and I was devastated. Oh no! I know, oh, I
0: know. little Haley <laughs> in the locker rooms in Canada, weeping, crying. And oh, uh, what was his name? Oh, you can't tell us. Can't tell. Us, tell. Can't t- oh, GDPR. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, I always, I have all these diaries that I went back and read. But I had completely blocked out the extreme pain that I felt at the time, yeah. and so I was interviewing him, and I hadn't spoken to him in many years. And he brought that up. He said it was he felt terrible about it, and he apologized. You know, we were 32, and this happened when we were 16. So 16 years ago, he didn't o- overtly apologize, but he said I, I felt really bad about it, and. I still kind of
0: feel bad about it. Wow, you've been playing on his mind for 16 years.
1: He's married. He is, his wife was there in the background of our Skype call, baking cookies. <laughs> it's wild. But I, I then went back and read my journals, and I realized how devastated I had been at the time. And I thought, isn't this interesting? Because I was so much more affected by our breakup in the moment, or I thought I was, But I've had many, many, many breakups since. And Mm. so my memory of our breakup is kind of diluted by being a person who has cycled through quite a few relationships. Whereas he dated me, the girl that he broke up with me for. And then he started dating the woman who became his wife. So in a certain way. Our breakup is more prominent in his life than it yeah, is in yours. Just yeah, just because there are less points of comparison. And so the way that time and people's experience then changes
0: how we remember things yeah. is also fascinating. And going back <laughs> to the boyfriends, were they yes. quite like compelled to be in the show? Or did it take some coaching? Or, Well, I only asked the
1: ones that I wasn't scared of. Ah! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, I was going to ask what happened to the other three did they
1: say no but one just stopped replying to my Facebook messages Mm. one I didn't reach out to Mm. actually and two I didn't reach out to (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah I mean they were, to varying degrees, willing. One of them really goes after me in our interview about being on a fault line of pretension and indulgence. He also works in the arts and advocates for me putting Was he him... the guitar buyer? No, he was oh. the typewriter buyer.
0: Oh, I can see that.
1: Yeah, and he really advocates to have a role in the show because he thinks that shows about ex-boyfriends at the Fringe are overdone and <laughs> Oh! and a bit of a trope but no it's good i mean i definitely need some voices some critical voices uh in the piece i certainly i certainly am not a I, even though i was very heartbroken when i was 16 i've definitely been on the other side of that yeah scenario now
0: <laughs> which is fine too yeah empowering some might say yeah
1: i mean i think it's just all these ways when we're young that we can be very very hurt mm. um As our experiences evolve, we kind of gain – I mean, this is a bold thing to say, but I was going to say we gain compassion for other people's behavior as we get older.
0: Wow. Yeah. I I don't know if I can agree with that. (laughs) I think sometimes it's the adverse, the opposite. But – Oh, You think, like, how could you do that? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm 23, you're 32, perhaps I've got that to come. Yeah. So <laughs> that was some self help there. Yeah. Um uh back to the show really. But um so we've talked about the maths. Yeah. Like as a show, how much maths is in it? How much, you know, what what am I going to see? Okay, well you're definitely going to see a show. You're definitely going to see a narrative piece
1: that's a bit uh wacky that talks about what it's like to make a formula. But really, as we've been working on the math, so much of the math is about okay but what are the variables and how do we weigh them and how do they interact with each other so there you're getting your the formula will be revealed you'll know that it exists but you're definitely not in a lecture or at a ted talk yeah because really the interesting thing in making a formula is figuring out how and why we value certain things Mm -hmm. so it's more of a conversation and stories around value than it is a uh, hardcore
0: like a cost and worth thing exactly okay Yeah. I can get on board with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very digestible math and I am not a mathematician and I'm delivering the formula. So So there's an element of sort of maths for dummies in there. Exactly. Not calling you a dummy, of course. No, no. Just like <laughs> just some, you know, non professionals. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. And you also did a kind of exhibition of these items in Houston oh, yeah. Station. Um what brought you to decide to do that. I always had this
1: fantasy that the audience would walk through a display of my objects that would look like half a yard sale and half an art show. Mm. I, so I always thought there'd be a big piece of fake grass on the floor and then white plinths with my different objects on top of them and they could walk through and appraise them. And it this idea that different spaces give objects different values a yard sale is kind of totally. worthless junk and an art show is these priceless relics and which is still kind of worthless junk exactly and it's like is this priceless is it worthless am I priceless am I worthless are my stories priceless or worthless Or
0: I'm gonna say they're priceless <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's so that's so interesting. Did you have like the little dots, you know, that if you know something sold, like oh. your little typewriter? Oh no,
1: that is really nice. I didn't have the little oh. dots, but I did put emotional context on the uh, price tags, and I had really people nice. appraise my objects. So I had this idea that the show should start like that, and I talked about it at nauseum to the artistic director <laughs> of the Camden People's Theatre, and he was like, "I don't know if that's going to be possible, Haley. We do double bills." And then um, this group was putting art shows into a disused store that was going to be torn down in Houston Station. And Amazing. so they asked the theater, is there anyone who wants to do an installation? And he said, yes, I know Haley does. <laughs> so I installed my objects like this and I had people appraise my objects. And then... Let's talk about that. Yeah. Appraising your
0: objects. Oh. What were they doing?
1: So so they would walk around. They had a little piece of paper that had all the objects on it. Mm-hmm. And they'd walk around and look at my objects and read the emotional context. I also had the interviews that I'd done with my exes um, to listen to on the wall. People could put on earphones and listen to get a bit more context. And for the ones that I didn't have interviews with, I interviewed a music expert about the guitar itself, this kind ah, of thing. Okay. And then, And then if that got people... Uh, interested in the questions that the piece raised about like is it worth it how can we quantify love mm-hmm. I had a wall of questions about um, the cost of love that the viewers of the exhibition answered on post-it notes love it yes so things like um, like relationship in numbers money and love questions like what's the most extravagant gift you've ever been given by a partner how much do you think it cost or what's, what's all the questions that you're not supposed <laughs> to ask? You know, Yeah. what's the longest what's what's the longest amount of time you've stayed with someone after you realized you wanted to break up with them? Mm. That was a really interesting one because the average answer was four months, <gasps> but the longest answer was
0: 24 years. Oh no. oh, no. Oh, that's actually like it should be funny, but I'm heartbroken. Yeah oh no
1: yeah and then the final part of the exhibition was we did this um, we we crowdsourced a playlist called the Broken Heart Playlist and this was people's the songs that people listened to on repeat when they were going through their biggest biggest heartbreak and we have about 477 songs on this playlist now it's available on Spotify (laughs) send you the link fantastic we shall share that yeah so I mean it lurches around from angry to very sentimental there's a lot of Adele
0: (laughs) because where would a heartbreak be without Adele
1: yeah exactly well she's gonna help you process that pain oh yeah so people would write their the songs they listen to and stick them stick them to the wall
0: and we'd add them to the soundtrack that would be playing and I mean you. Broken hearts, all of these really sad things. But it's also really humorous in the way that you're talking about it and also yeah. the way that it's executed. So how have you turned like that sort of <laughs> slightly demeaning context yeah. to like an empowerment?
1: Well, I think, first of all, I love comedy. Mm-hmm. That's that's just true. I love to <laughs> laugh, and I love to laugh at um, sad things. Yeah. So... Uh, that's fun I also think that there is something in these experiences that is when you're going through them it's excruciating but kind of to everyone else around you it's excruciating
0: in a different way yeah and kind of really annoying it's not not annoying because obviously you want to be there for people
1: yeah but it's really hard when you're in pain like I remember going through um, a breakup with the guy who gave me the bike and at one point my brother said to me he was like Everyone wants you to just stop talking about this and get over it. <laughs> and I, realize, I mean, we've
0: all been your brother. Oh, we've all been your brother.
1: Yes, because you become a person in pain who can only talk about your pain. Yeah. And so, uh, there is, I don't know. I think it is good to laugh about this because it's a very common experience. And we know that we're being annoying. But we also know that we can't mm. stop and <laughs> finding ways to make light of the ridiculousness of that is i think a way of coping with it so it's kind of group therapy should we say I, I mean i hope in a fun way and not in a like <laughs> and now you're gonna have the talking stick and yeah. we're just gonna give a little bit of space hi for i'm richard <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay therapy in a sense that like yes we've all been through this and yes it really hurts but um can we also laugh about the fact
0: that it's inevitable and kind of really pitiful but you know many yeah. in the extent of our lives hopefully hopefully yeah so in context of your previous work as mm-hmm. well because it's not the first time you've been to Camden people's theater no. um so if people have seen you before if you've been you know cartwheeling around naked say oh, yeah. um so what what <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's talk about some of your previous work
1: well i developed this piece the ex Cell, as part of Camden people's Theatre's starting starting block scheme which is a program for emerging artists uh, so I've done several work-in-progress sharings with CPT of this work. I also presented another work that I made about uh, my hometown and uh, hometowns and homecomings and who, who gets to live where. That was a co-production with a the theater in Germany. And uh, so I presented my Kitchener-Waterloo piece in Camden. I've also got a show called I'm Doing This For You, which I didn't perform in Camden People's Theater, but I've performed in several venues around London, the Albany BAC, Um, the Naked Cartwheels.
0: Yes, please. (laughs) I'm dying to get onto the Naked Cartwheels. The Naked Cartwheels. uh,
1: It's a piece called Easy Over Easy. It's only about 90 seconds long. (laughs) And I did it at Woman Seriously, which is a performance platform for female and female identifying performers. Um, I saw a Woman Seriously show and I think three quarters of the performers were naked in it. And I thought, I can't do that. I'm so scared. How are these people so comfortable getting naked? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, I have so much shame and fear around that. And I just started thinking, this is so um, crummy that I feel this way. It's it's something that is annoying in my personal life, but it's also annoying as a performer that my own Fear holds me back from, you know, a certain amount of things that I feel comfortable doing on stage or that could use on stage. And I thought, okay, I'm going to face down this fear. And so I pitched to the Women Seriously committee, "Can I do a 90 second piece where I do a whole bunch of naked cartwheels?" And I always thought in my brain being naked will be easier when you're moving if i'm in motion oh my gosh i was
0: (laughs) i was there with you on that
1: because then people can see less at the same time no i feel like it's like a blur that's what i thought was gonna happen and i also thought because i'm obsessed with comedy and i have a you know a comedy background i thought and i want to see if i can do it in a funny way can a woman be funny and naked um (laughs) i wanted to take that on so i had a tearaway outfit made That was kind of looks like a men's swim trunks and a hoodie. And I come, the lights come up, and I'm doing this little pose. And oh, and my friend was doing a drum roll with me. So we have, yeah, it was a lot of like, and the lights come up, and I'm dressed. And then the lights go out, and then there's another drum roll, and the lights come up again. And then you hear a big rip, and then I'm naked.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And so then, um, I do a, a series. I do about twenty-five cartwheels naked through the space, getting more and more tired. And I'm really good on my left side and really bad on my right side. But you see my body from every angle <laughs> as I'm cartwheeling <laughs> around the piece. And after our, I'd only, you know, practice it once in the space before I did it before an audience. And um, uh, the Grace who runs Woman Series she was in the audience for the tech, and I was like, Grace, can you see everything? And she was like, Oh yeah, we see. <laughs> 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 everything. So there was no, no no because I'm like splaying myself open repeatedly. <laughs> from all angles but at least it was brutally honest you know she was so honest with me and it was the best context to do it in and incredibly empowering and incredibly uh liberating and fun and not nearly as horrifying as I thought (laughs) (laughs)
0: um yeah totally I've been to a couple of women seriously events and they're an incredible platform incredible audience yeah um a real sort of time to be an ally, whoever you are, like whatever, whatever you identify or whatever you're making, whatever it is, it's just everyone's an ally there. Yeah. I love that.
1: I think the ex-boyfriend yard sale, even though it's rooted in my experience, is um, very much a piece for anybody who has come out of a breakup or a series of breakups, wondering was the pain worth the cost, was the investment of time... You know, worth the fun that we had. <laughs> Am I really back to zero now that this didn't work out? Was it worth it? The show really tackles those those questions in a way that is um, bigger than my experience, and I think that that wherever you're coming from with those questions, you'll be able to get a lot out of it and hopefully enjoy yourself, and hopefully leave.